The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. Each of us is very, we're like an individual human being who grew up with our own history, our own trauma, our own desires, our own, you know, goals. And that shows up in how we parent. And if we can honor those things and pull from our strengths, rather than focus on the things we don't do well, Mm -hmm. our days are a lot less heavy. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 334. Today, we're talking about the secret to being a Zen parent with Kathy Adams. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Kids. Hey, welcome back, my friends. So glad you're here. I think this might be the third episode of Kathy Adams. I love her so much, and I'm so excited for this episode to talk to her. But listen, if you haven't done so yet, if you've ever gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a favor, hit that subscribe button first so you never miss an episode, and then go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more, it helps them find helps it share with people who want to find this great information. It really, honestly, it takes 30 seconds and I really greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Kathy Adams. She is the co-host of the Zen Parenting Radio podcast and the co-founder of the annual Zen Parenting Conference. She's a social worker, certified parent coach, former elementary school teacher, yoga teacher, and she teaches in the sociology department at Dominican University, where she lives outside of Chicago, and she's one of my teachers. I really feel like Kathy has taught me so much in my life, and you'll hear that in our conversation. We're going to talk about how to be a more Zen parent. Her new book, Zen parenting is uh, goes through the seven chakras to discuss parenting issues and how to you know g- get into our bodies and have more open heartedness and communicate with our kids more. She really has so so much wisdom. I'm so excited for you to join us for this conversation. So why don't you just join me at the table now as I talk to Kathy Adams. Okay, for those of you who have not listened back, like, I don't know how many episodes ago it was, Kathy, I I adore you and Todd, and you guys were like this enormous help for me when I was so frustrated <laughs> with my daughter, and I was like getting at my frustration, I was like, and I was like, how oh, Kathy and Todd, and you're amazing, amazing help me, I'm so, I'm so happy you're on, and you teach a really kind of different style of parenting that is um, that is very helpful and really made probably the most enormous difference of everything, which was that you pointed to you point to the inner work of healing yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. I heard I was very frustrated at that time with hearing a lot of like, like respond this way, respond this way. And I would just like couldn't do it because I was like losing my bananas. And, and you, your podcast helped point me down the path of like, it's about you and it's about modeling for you. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Thank you. But I want to just point to that. And I was thinking that, you know, you, 
you write in your new book, which I'm so excited about in the intro, I experienced the paradox of loving them better. This is the kids loving them better by backing away Mm -hmm. by living my life. So they could have their own. I set myself free of needing their constant appreciation and then felt more appreciated. I ditched the role of mom and became a person who also happened to be a mom, which allowed me to approach my kids with humanness rather than hierarchy. I got out of the box that told me who I was supposed to be and showed up as myself, allowing me to show up more authentically for my family. I love that so much, but tell us, I would love for you, if you could take us back to that, like, how did you, were you caught up in the role and the, and the, like doing it right and the should, and how did you get to that point of like loving them better by backing away? Well, first of all, it's a process and a practice, right? Because there was like, no, I didn't have like one moment where I'm like, Ooh, you know, I love when people tell stories where they're like, and then this day came and everything was different. (laughs) I've had like 80,000 of those days. Um, but what I did, so what was interesting is my, my background is I worked at a, um, children's hospital here in Chicago. That's where I live. And I was in a partial hospitalization program as a therapist and as a clinician, as an, as a teacher. And I then had my first child and I initially with her, when she was little, I was doing a lot of the behavior modification things I had learned as a clinician. I was using my professional awareness and my education to be a parent. And I, what I realized very quickly is that doesn't always work, that parenting is much more relationship-based. And, and I believe this now as a clinician too, but it was just a, it was, a, it was felt like a huge transition from professional to personal. And I was realizing that really the best way to be with my kid was to be with my kid as a human being and to drop Mm -hmm. my therapist hat and to drop my teacher hat and to drop the whole role of what I think a mom is supposed to look like. And instead just like be with this person and be like, what do they need? And how can I show up? And how can I be um, understanding? And how can I be compassionate for their experience? How can I, um, and, and again, like I said, this is a practice. It's like, I had days where I didn't have that. It's very, Hunter, it's funny. It's almost hard for me to remember those really early days. Cause my daughters are now 18, 16 and 14. Um, and so I, what I do remember about those early days was that I was very tired. And if I did not take care of myself, I was not going to be able to do what I needed to do to take care of these humans. You know, I was not going to be able to get them to where they needed to go or to their appointments or to get to a play date or to be with them or to make their meals. There's very basic things that we need to do as parents that can be really redundant and boring, but very energy, the, the energy we need to do these redundant, often boring things is essential. I had to learn to sleep. I had to, it was like a, I mean, I guess it just goes back to everything that you started with, which is what I realized is I had to take care of myself. I had to be the closest I could be to a full human if I was going to show up for these people. So were you influenced by like, cause there's a lot of parenting kind of modalities and things that are influencing the culture yeah. out there that are really, that really kind of push the, you know, kind of mommy martyr thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause we know, you know, there's Bowlby's attachment, you know, uh, experiments, which are really amazing. We learn about those in, in college, the, the little monkeys that wanted to cling on to the warm little monkey model or even like the like the you know the whole Sears attachment parenting book like I remember getting that bible and feeling like oh my god I you know I'm I'm not sure I can have my baby on my body like literally like all day long like maybe somebody else can have my baby on their body for a little while too like here lovely wonderful 12 year old you know 14 year old from down the street I will strap my baby to your body and you can go for a walk but like those there are a lot of modalities like specifically like attachment parenting and things like that that push like you know just um meeting the baby's needs at 
at all costs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm wondering, were you influenced by that? And did you have to like kind of, I mean, I don't know. What was your relationship to that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I was influenced by everything. Like this is the thing about Zen Parenting Radio, the podcast we do, and then what I wrote about is about combining all of these different um, areas of learning. And I was trained in a very Western model as a clinician, as a social worker. And then all of my um, like interests lied in things that were more Eastern, you know, mindfulness, um, meditation, um, more compassion um, for ourselves and other people. And, and the blend of the two, like I never... I, I, Todd and I just actually did a show this week about how I never wanted to label our show anything like conscious parenting or attachment parenting. Not because I have a problem with those labels, because if people use that to describe me, that would be fine. But I don't think that I have one thing that mm. I believe in because there are so many things that are not only overlapping, but you have to become savvy about when to use what. And I don't mean in a model of like, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm going to be mindful. And for 10 minutes, I'm going to be more Western. But like right now, I have the energy to carry my child around on my chest and I'm going to be in a more attachment parent kind of mode and I'm going to keep them close to my heart and I'm going to whisper softly to them and rub their head. And then maybe a few hours later, I'm exhausted and I need that 12-year-old down the street to, you know, take them for a walk around the block so I can relax and I can maybe be with my other kid or I can get something to eat like all human beings need to do. And that the work is not feeling guilt about the things that we aren't doing, but focusing on what we need in that moment so we can try a lot of different things. Which when I say this, Hunter, sometimes people are like, that is so general. Will you just give me an ABC of what to do? <laughs> and the, the problem is that's what Zen, I mean, the, de the definition of Zen, there really is no definition, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. It is kind of a completely paradoxical understanding of the uncertainty of our lives, that you have to flow with what is, that you have to be present for what is, that you have to pay attention to what is. Um, and that's the only thing I can label anything that I do, which is it's unpredictable, it's uncertain, but it's from a compassionate and grounded place. So if I need something for myself so I can offer that energy and that love to my kid, then I'm not going to feel guilty about that because that makes the most sense in that moment. And so again, you know, just as we're getting going talking, I know it sounds general, but it's actually freedom because following some kind of platform of I can only do this or I have to do this is very mm -hmm. constricting and it can be very suffocating where you do start to feel resentful, not only of maybe the book or the teacher, but of your child. Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm always trying to avoid is my biggest influence is how can I build a healthy relationship with myself and this person in front of me? And that applies to my children, my partner, Todd, my mom, my sister, like it's not, it's universal. Yeah. And so it doesn't just apply to parenting. It goes on and on. How, why do you think we're so guilty? We feel so much guilt. Because the society tells us that this is our job and that it's the only thing that we're here for. I mean, there's some misogyny built into it. If, oh, you know, yeah, we're yeah. This about is like what we're valued for, right? Like exactly. is caring for offspring and otherwise our value, you know, yeah. That's who we are. And if you don't have a child, then why would you not have a child? And if you do have a child, you're supposed to have this like this instinct of like, we're supposed to know what to do, when to do and how to do it. And there is, I believe in instincts and I believe in intuitive in intuitive feelings, but there's a lot of other work that needs to happen for us to even to feel those intuitive feelings. Like oh, yeah. if we are, like the, the story that I was just telling at the beginning about how I had to move from a more professional model of like, you know, think about how we're raised. We go through school, um, we, we learn how to get grades and how to do test scores and how to get a job and how to climb the ladder. And parenting is the furthest thing from that experience. Like parenting is like, setting everything down, looking at everything differently, turning everything inside out, going into your history, thinking about your own trauma. Like it is not a one, two, three ladder. And there's no and a, a. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you're not going to get an A. Your mm -hmm. kid's not going to give you an A. No, no. And that, and a lot of books out there, um, 
really do point to things like that. Like if you just do A, B, and C, then everything will turn out fine. And I know your book because I've read it and a lot of other people's books is about, that's not the way it works. You know, this is a day-to-day, this is kind of an Eastern, you know, understanding or just, it doesn't even have to be Eastern. It's that let's do this moment by moment. Let's do today. This is what I teach my kids too when they're stressing. You know, I have a daughter who's in college now, but I have a daughter who's a junior. So all that college stuff is coming up again for her. What am I going to do? Let's just do today. Let's take the steps today. Let's enjoy today. Let's not make everything about this. Let's have a broader scope of life. And if you do that every day, then you don't have to worry so much about the future. You know, it, it dissipates a little bit. It doesn't go away, but it dissipates a little bit. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. That's the only way to affect the future is to like pay attention to today, right? Is to give our, give our everything to today. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a kid who's struggling with something right now. And, you know, that's the, that's the way the brain works is like, we go to the future, right? Like we go to this and we go to, if this is permanent, right? Is this, is this going to be unchanging? And it's, that's just the nature of the mind. That's the nature of how we evolve, right? And the nervous system is like, like analyze that threat and be ready for it and et cetera. But, but sometimes to be ready, you know, to, is to let go of that is so we can actually have some, some relief, right. And be, you know, especially with, with things that are big, the, the kind of threats we face nowadays are, are different. They're not like a, you know, the proverbial, um, saber tooth tiger. <laughs> I know. Well, and just that whole thing that you just went through, that whole thing that you said is you just walked through the whole process, which is let's, let's first have an understanding of how brains work, the neurobiology and how we do look at for threats and how, when we see a threat or we're concerned about a threat, we pay attention to it. And then the next step is 
is this really something I can do something about right now? Is this mm. really, am I concerned about something that could happen in 10 years or is there something I can do right this moment? And, you know, walking through that path and then realizing that, oh, if I really do want to focus on this thing, then I need to be calm when I do it. And so I need to breathe. And so bringing in that, like, that discomfort of the neurobiology, which is like, you know, feeling all stressed and freaked and overwhelmed is not only is it not going to help this situation in front of me, but it's actually going to make it worse because our children, you know, if there's anything that we can understand about ourselves is that how we're feeling and what we're experiencing is very contagious. Mm. And we can talk about that in terms of when we're really anxious. Like I, I was trained as a therapist. And so I could always tell when someone came into my office and was anxious, I could feel it in my body. Um, and I think all of us can do that. I don't know if you even need educational training to know that feeling where you're like, Ooh, there's a lot of anxiety here, but that's also true with calm. And that's also true with like a feeling of hope and a feeling of like, we can get through this, like those feelings are contagious as well. And so instead of telling our kid how to feel in a very stressed and overwhelmed way, we can do the first do the practice of trying to find like you just did walk through that pattern of yep, this is normal human behavior, I'm feeling overwhelmed, you don't need to guilt yourself about that. That's what our brains do. But is that helping? And what can I do differently? And then I can approach my child with this sense of first of all, understanding of their experience, because we just walk through it ourselves. We understand how we get overwhelmed and tired or whatever experience they're having. So we're very empathetic and compassionate, but then we kind of approach it. I think the sentence I say to my kids all the time is what can I do to support you? How can I, what can I do right now that would be helpful? Like, you don't have to say the exact sentence I say, like people, you know, use your own personality. Like, what can I do here? You know, whatever it may be. But it's like, how can I be of help to you? But what I know, first of all, is the first thing I can do for them is to not bring my own crap into the conversation where I'm stressed and worried about that they are not going to be or achieve something that I think they should achieve. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> our feelings are contagious. I mean, it's so, so obvious when our our kids are little, like, they, you know, it's so, so clear, like, that emotional regulation has to kind of start with us. But I mean, even when they're older, I, it's interesting. Like this past weekend, my daughter had a had a, a challenging. She had a horse show, and she had a just challenging time. And 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 I could see that I could I recognize like I could. She was really really nervous, and then her being really nervous, like I absorbed her nervousness because I used to do that stuff when I was a kid. I used to do horse shows, and I remember what it felt like to be nervous. And I was like, wow, I could really recognize that. I am being of zero help right now mm -hmm. and I've got to go like take a break and take care of myself because I'm just like feeding off your nervousness and amplifying it at the moment, you know? And, and so we had that like paying attention to what is the energy that we're bringing to whoever that, you know, to our child, you know, that is so important. I love that you, you mentioned that because it really transcends like, I mean, if parenting is how we respond in a moment to moment basis to our kids in some ways, right? But, but just how we respond, we always think of like, what are we going to say, but really what, how we're feeling and the energy we're bringing sends all of that is, is the foundational piece. Exactly. And so Kathy, did you ever struggle with, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to add to that. Like it, you're telling that story yeah. and with your daughter and I'm envisioning it. Cause you know, I can see it in my mind and, and in that situation, you're able to kind of walk away, which is great. Like walking away, especially if your child or, you know, your children are well taken care of in that moment is always a good idea. So we can get our, you know, get ourselves back in gear. But also sometimes when I'm with my kids and I can't walk away for whatever reason, and I'm feeding off their anxiety and they're feeding off mine is that's where like, I get, I try and be like their age in like, what can we do to move this energy? Cause, and I just tell the truth, I'm feeling your anxiety. You're feeling my anxiety. Like we don't need to pretend that this isn't happening. This yeah. is what a relationship is. Let's bring it out in the open. And when my kids were little, we used to do the, the you know, shaking things off. Like, you know, we pretended we were ducks. It was this whole thing. Like, let's just shake it off and, and get to a point where we can laugh. And now that my kids are older, it's a lot of like, okay, let's take a breath. Cause we're both really annoying each other right now. And just really being honest about we try and pretend we're not feeling anxiety so then our kids won't feel anxiety. But if we say, I'm not doing well here, they can, then it gives them a sense of, okay, good. I'm not either. So what can I do? 
like, so we're offering a tool and also offering connection, which is what you're experiencing is very typical because I'm experiencing it too. Yeah. You're normalizing yeah. this experience. And some people are worried, like, I want, I don't want to put my feelings on my kids, you know, mm -hmm. um, and make them responsible for my feelings. But I think I've probably like, you know, I don't know, you know, the majority of the time we can be that grounded presence mm -hmm. that we, you know, aspire to be and be the, be the grounding piece. Uh, uh, the fact that we are human and have all the other feelings too, and we're honest about that. It, it, it's not, it's not like, I don't think that's damaging for kids to not that. at all. And, you know, you were just asking me at the beginning about, you know, the, what I wrote about, I stopped being the role of mom and mm -hmm. I became just, I'm their mom and I'm a person. This is a perfect mm -hmm. example. The role of mom is I'm not going to talk about feelings. I'm going to make them think that I'm okay all the time, that I'm always in control, that, you know, all these things that are not human versus let me show you in my 50 years on this earth, how I've learned to calm my anxiety because I have it too. That's a very different experience. Like that's not me saying, hey kid, will you make me feel less anxious? It's me saying, hey kid, this is how I help myself to feel less anxious, but then allowing them to join in. And like I said, I try and keep those kind of moments playful. Like the, mm -hmm. it's not a, I don't get super serious. And if they're not into it, then that's fine. I also don't force it. We don't have to force, you know, the, the ironic things when, when people are like, how do I make my kid be mindful? I'm like, well, you just <laughs> missed it right there because you're making and forcing. So, you know, this is, this is like an ongoing practice and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that's okay too. Yeah, there's definitely a big lot, a lot of letting go with that too, especially if like your mom is like the host of the Mindful Mama podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you want nothing to do with any of that okay. um, and maybe totally. won't for a while, but maybe they'll come around later. Um. <laughs> they will. My kids, like they, not only were they not, because Todd and I have been doing Zen parenting for 20 years or 20 years. That's how long I've been a therapist. 10 years, we've been doing Zen parenting radio. They didn't really care. Like it was like, so it's so a part of like, Skylar was two when we started. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just not, they're just so used to it. But in the last two or three years, they've actually come on the show and been really helpful. And, you know, they haven't been forced to, we're just like, will you come on and just talk about what it's like during COVID or what, and they've been really informative and helpful. So I have a feeling your girls will probably do the same. It's kind of fun to podcast. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, my daughter did a, like a little podcast for school. It oh, was cool. So cool. Um, she didn't ask me anything <laughs> about it. She just did it. <laughs> so did you ever struggle with do, with your temper? I want to get to like the book and but, sure, uh, sure, just sure. did you struggle with your temper? Because that was like, that was the that was for me, that was like the the biggest shame piece was my temper and, and feeling like a, it was it was that was the hardest piece for me. You know, temper wasn't my issue. It, my issues were this. Um, I wanted more freedom as a new mom. I felt resentful that I didn't have more freedom. I wanted to be and still want to be seen as doing good things and as showing up. Um, I It's just, just to like give you an example. This still shows up in my life. I had a doctor's appointment a couple weeks ago, just a regular doctor's appointment. And I went in and they were kind of telling me all these things that they're like, well, you could, you know, pay attention to this and you may want to pay attention to this and your blood pressure is a little high here and you may want to pay. And I'm like, will you give me credit for the things I'm doing? Like, I feel that feeling all the time where I'm like, and so my issue was less about, you know, anger and more about, I deserve, you know, I deserve time or I deserve freedom. And, and I still, and you can see how both of those things, anger and that feeling of I want freedom end up kind of showing up in the same way, right? Where there's yeah. a lot of like, um, you know, pushing away or not wanting to play or, or, you know, annoyed at your kids for things that have nothing to do with them. I mean, it does because, yeah. you know, it's about parenting, but really those issues were mine very early in my lifetime. Those are, you know, and, and again, I don't know how much you share about your oh, own, yeah, yeah, no, your, absolutely. you know, your history, but I knew where those things came from. Yeah. The feeling of not being heard, the feeling of not being seen, that's all historical stuff for me. And yeah. so I try not to make that my children's problem. I try and mm. keep that mine. But I, what I do want to identify with, with you is I, you know, myself, you, all my clients, we all kind of have these different things that trigger us and these different emotional responses. And I always felt guilty about it, Hunter. I always felt like, you know, why am I not the mom who's cooking the meals and and feeling grateful that I can be home? And and I felt 
that's not how I felt all the time. And I felt bad. But I also realized that I am a very, we all are, not Kathy, but each of us is very, we're like an individual human being who grew up with our own history, our own trauma, our own desires, our own, you know, goals. And that shows up in how we parent. And if we can honor those things and pull from our strengths, rather than focus on the things we don't do well, Mm -hmm. our days are a lot less heavy, you know, a lot less um, shame filled. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a weird paradox between like accepting like, oh, okay, I I have this challenge. Like I have this crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, I have this challenge and saying, okay, like, and not trying to fight against it, but also like kind of working on some, some tools and things that can help with whatever that, that challenge is for you, you know, understanding it, taking care of it, like understanding your, you know, steadying your heart, steadying your mind, whatever that is, you know. Right. And that's the perfect paradox. That's what Zen is right there is like one of the quotes I have at the beginning of the book is one of the Zen masters always say, you're perfect just as you are and you can use a little work. Like (laughs) they're both true. Like you are, who you are is who you are because that's who you have become. Like there's just an inherent acceptance of this is where you are. This is who you are. This is who you came in the world to be, whatever way you want to look at it. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't focus on how do I get my temper to a place where I feel more comfortable? Or how do I decrease my need for constant validation? You know, like, you can still work on those things. So it's like, this is the interesting part of life. But I think it becomes most clear in in parenting is the paradoxical elements of everyday situations. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist. And I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes I'll wear my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that quote. You are, you know, you're... (laughs) You're perfect. And you go need to go work on yourself. It's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, and, and it's true. It's like, yeah, I mean, and that's what parenting shows us. And if we can accept that, right. If we can Mm -hmm. accept like, okay, here are these things, then that's our step. That's our moving forward step, right. That's our step to be able to say, okay. And I just want to also name that like you, I think you mentioned in there, like you felt guilty about not wanting to like stay home and cook meals. Like you mentioned that on your podcast, like how you get takeout and you don't like to cook. And I just want to tell you, Kathy, like that has made it easier for me to be like, I don't really like that cooking that much. So thank you. Thank you for, I mean, I'm okay with it. I, I've got, I have my moments. I, maybe I'm, I'm a different place on the spectrum on that, but, but it's like, oh, because you in my mind are an amazing parent and you don't like to cook. Rock thank on. You. I love it. And so that whole, just like speaking your truth, just really normalizes all those things for, for all of us, which is so helpful. Like, uh, can we get out of this like crazy mom stereotype? But 
I want to talk about your book, Seven Zen Parenting. So you kind of bring it through like the seven chakras and mm-hmm. discussing parenting through that. So can you can you give us a little brief lowdown on just a, for those who don't know, what are the chakras and, and how do they relate to parenting? What are some ways maybe? So just like an understanding of why I decided to build this around the chakras is because I, I'm a yoga teacher. I know you are too. And that is a big part of my understanding of who I am and my own body awareness. And, you know, I actually tell a story about the whole reason I decided to become a yoga teacher was because I wanted to learn how to breathe. Like I didn't really know if I wanted to like teach classes, but I knew I wasn't breathing very well. Like I didn't feel like I could pull breath through. I didn't feel like I could manage feelings very well. And yoga really gave me a lot of that understanding. And because of that body awareness and my understanding of the mind-body connection, I wanted to talk about the energy centers of our body. Now, the energy centers of our body, there's seven of them and you know we can talk about them, but if that doesn't mean anything to you, you don't have to make it mean anything to you. You can just use chakras as a structure, a framework, a scaffolding of understanding yourself. Like you don't, this is, you know, I remember talking to my editor, you know, and publisher about this book and, and my, my goal is not to be the leading source on chakra understanding. It's to, even though I like talking about it and I do it, I, there's plenty of books about that. Mine was more like, how do I structure an understanding of human beings and bring in all these elements of wellness and, um, you know, and, and health and just overall, um, parenting ideals and do that in a way that's manageable because it, you know, and I needed a scaffolding. And so chakras felt right. It felt that's, that's me. You know, this is what I talk about a lot, but like I said, if it, if the framework doesn't mean anything to you, just use it as a way of understanding humans. And so it basically is from it, you know, it's from, as I say, the ground up, you know, we have our root chakra that is our stabilizing force. We have our second chakra, which is our creativity and our pleasure source right below the belly button or below the stomach. We have our third chakra, which is our sense of self. We often in the, you know, the body world call it our solar plexus. And then we have our fourth chakra, which is our heart center, which has kind of always been like, if you look at my house, um, everything in my house is green because the color mm-hmm. of the, as you can see the paint back there, the yeah, yeah. chakra color of the heart chakra is is green. So that's always been kind of the, you know, one of my favorite places. My favorite place to talk about though is the fifth, fifth chakra, which is communication. Because and you, you guys can understand right now why this framework is so interesting because if your sense of grounding, your sense of emotion, your sense of self and your sense of love is not, you, you don't have kind of an understanding of it, it's gonna be very hard to communicate who you are. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, for Women, especially, I work with women mostly, and there's just a whole like bottleneck in their fifth chakra where they have a hard time expressing what they feel for a multitude of reasons. And then the sixth chakra, which is considered what's called the third eye, is about our intuitive sense, our imagination, um, our sense of being able to dream and see things that maybe haven't, you know, haven't begun yet. And then our uh, seventh chakra, which is considered the top of our head, is about our connection to everything and everyone, which it can sound really esoteric when we're talking about chakras, but really we're all interconnected. We are all, we all, you know, if COVID taught us anything, it was that we all affect each other. So that, you know, these, these body awarenesses, or we can just call them these structures, um, give us this kind of draft of like, here's some things I can focus on, or where do I feel like I'm blocked? And that can be literally physically, or that can be emotionally. Um, and that's what I tried to kind of work out in this book. Yeah, there's like this wonderful like quote from Rumi that's like something like your pain is where the light shines through or something Absolutely. like that. And it me- what you're just talking about made me think of that because um, what you're saying is like paying attention to paying attention to these places that are a little stuck these places that are imbalanced and which is kind of funny because it's paradoxical because we just said like let's not all focus on all our challenges right (laughs) but um but but how you know I mean for the for the listener who's like you know they've got like a four-year-old a two-year-old and a baby at home 
And they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the chakras, that sounds really nice, but I'm losing my mind here. Like, tell me, can you relate that, that structure and that understanding a little to that kind of like more uh, everyday experience? Absolutely. When I was parenting little ones. Um, and cause I had, you know, three very small ones. I have all these pictures all over my house of like my three babies on me. And I'm like, how did I do that? Like, I really look at that and go, what? Cause I was working at like, there, I, I don't understand. I don't, but what I do know that I focused on, um, the majority of time was that first shock, that first chakra, which was the grounding element. Like, mm. where am I right now? How am I doing? Um, and there's a deeper, there's something deeper behind chakra one, which is your sense of belonging. Do you understand what your purpose is here in the macro and the micro? In the macro, it is, you know, do you understand your, um, you know, that you are a mom and that you have this role in society and that this is the most important thing right now is making sure these kids get what they need. But then there's also this more internal, like, do you know that you belong in the bigger picture? Like, do you understand your value as a human being, even though society is sometimes telling you, it, it, you know, so again, talk about paradoxical, Hunter, we were talking about how often women are valued on their parenting, but also parenting is not that valued. Like yeah. both things are happening at once, you know, when you're talking about a work environment, you know, it's so hard to get the appropriate maternal leave or paternal leave to, to bond with your child. Or if you have needs with your kids, it's often very hard to get off work. So it's like respected and valued. And then it's not respected and valued the greatest paradox ever. So it's like, sometimes we can't look to the culture for our own validation. We have to understand internally I belong here. I know I, this is what's important right now. This is where I am right now. And again, that's also connected to our sense of self, which is our, you know, our third chakra. And then also, you know, talking about fourth chakra awareness, like compassion, if there's, and I know you talk about this in your book too. I think everyone needs to talk about self-compassion and the understanding of what self-compassion is in that if we can be mindful about where we are, if we can treat ourselves the way we treat other people. And then if we have an understanding that we're not the only ones who feel this way, that there's a lot of moms out there going through the same things we are. It's a very, uh, in Kristen Neff's words, she's the researcher behind self-compassion. It's common humanity. You know, this is like, we are part of something, again, macro, micro, part of something bigger and we're doing our part. And so I feel like when we're raising little ones, instead of trying to be like, how do I make this different or better all the time? It's about how do I see this for what it is? How do I accept these moments? And the most important thing, how do I bring parts of myself into this day? Or how do I make sure that there is something I do just for me, not once a week, but every freaking day? And that can be, for me, sometimes it was driving to McDonald's to get nice tea with my kids in the car. I'd be like, I'm going to get an iced tea for me. Or... I am going to have a mother's helper come over so I can go to the grocery store by myself. Or I am going to have a babysitter so because I was a parent coach at the time and I was doing it on the phone, I can have this client because that makes me feel grounded and who I am. I These are, in the, in, sometimes it didn't happen on a certain day. Sometimes it, for whatever reason, crisis, like it's not about having a checklist of I did this. It's about knowing that it's Your a priority. Work, it's priority. You are important and valuable and needed. And can you speak a little to what making yourself a priority, how does that help your kids? Like if you've got some kids who are like, mommy, mommy, don't go, don't go to McDonald's <laughs> or like, Get your don't, don't go to see that client and I need you and I want you. And, mm -hmm. and then that guilt sets in it's, it can be hard to remember that, but can you speak a little to what is, what is, what is, what do our, our kids get from that as well as ourselves? Absolutely. So it's twofold, you know, like that does happen occasionally. And, and even with that question, there's such a personal response to that because for some parents, they are gone a lot. They're, they're gone to a point where if their kids are saying to them, please don't go, I need you. There may be something where we can be like, okay, how can I be home a little more often at this time? Or what can, so 
Yeah. I can talk about yeah. my personal experience, but sometimes we really do need to listen to what our kids are saying if they are feeling like they're not getting our full attention. There are times when we do need to put our phone down. There are times, so I have to put that in to this conversation because I'm when we're talking about self-care, it's very nuanced, you yeah. know? Um, but for me, because I was only working a certain number of hours a day, it was helping them understand that this is a part of what mom does as a human being. <laughs> this is part of my life. This isn't even meditation for me. Um, when I would meditate in the morning, sometimes they'd come in and lay on my lap and that was fine. They didn't have to leave, but this is part of what mom does. This is important to her. Mm -hmm. And I was not only doing that for myself and for my own grounding element of like, you know, having being able to be resilient throughout the day and having a sense of self and all of those things. But in the roundabout way, you're also teaching them how to do that for themselves. Because if we are demonstrating to our kids that we are martyrs and that we are, we are showing up for them in every way, shape or form and leaving ourselves behind, then that's what we're teaching them to do. We're teaching them. And I don't, it doesn't even matter about gender. A lot of times we say that's what we're teaching our girls. We're teaching our boys that too. You know, we're teaching all genders, you know, that, yeah. that we don't need to take care of ourselves, that our, our job is in taking care of others. And while that is a big part of life, you can't take care of others well, unless you're taking your care of yourself first. And this has always been a very you know, we could do a thousand shows about this, right? Because it's yeah. a very fine line, um, you know, and, and if we're all walking it in our own time and our own, you know, way of understanding, but I cannot be fun with you or enjoy this experience with you if I haven't, you know, started my day this way. This, the reason I can show up for you this way is because I did this for myself this morning. And as our kids, you know, they may not understand that when they're two, but I can tell you having teenagers now, they completely understand it now. Mm. They get it. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I remember when my daughter was two, taking her to the YMCA, like childcare, and <clears throat> she didn't want to go. Right. And then they they came and got me after 15 minutes because they don't want to crying for more than 15 minutes, mm -hmm. which is smart. I'm glad they do that. And they came and got me and I said, okay, all right. We went back the next day and then they got me after 20 minutes. We came back the next day. They got me after 35, you know, eventually they never loved childcare at the YMCA, never. But I was like, this is a non-negotiable piece of my life. Like I have to be a sane and functioning human being. Like I need this time to myself to move my body. Like this is just it. And sometimes when it didn't work, it was frustrating. But instead of saying, well, that doesn't work, you said, how can I do this a different way? Or how can we like get into, how can I help my kid be more comfortable with this process? And sometimes like my, a lot of my memories of my kids being little was like, I would be the only mom who'd have to sit in ballet class because I, my kids wouldn't want me to leave. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'll sit here. Or I remember one time when my daughter had had a dentist appointment and the dent, the doctor was like, you need to leave the room. And my daughter's like, I don't want you to. So I sat on the floor and held her hand anyway. Like sometimes it doesn't work, but my, the, the intention is if this is possible, this is the way I'd like things to go. I would like to go work out and this, and I'm going to try another way if this doesn't work, but sometimes it doesn't. And that doesn't mean that we failed. That means that that path it isn't the right one or it's not the right time. And and I love that you talk about childcare issues because I always struggled with that. You know, babysitters that my kids would not be interested in or, um, you know, like I said, taking them to a class and thinking, okay, now I have an hour to myself. And they're like, no, no, mom, you stay in yeah. here with me. And, and that is, no. I know. And I'd be like, oh my God, this was my hour. And so <laughs> we have to have also, that's where self-compassion comes in too, where we say, I laid out my last, my best plan. It didn't work. I'm going to try another one tomorrow. Like there is this uncertainty and unpredictability about our daily lives. And just because, and, and we want to make sure that we're showing up for the kids that we have and not looking at other kids and saying, well, they seem to be fine in the class because two years later, or when they're 15, they may be struggling with something completely different where your kid has a sense of self because you showed up to that ballet class. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we all have different times and different movements and different needs. And my goal was always to be like, what do my kids need right now? Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead of what should they be needing? And I'm putting that in air quotes for people who are listening. Like there's a lot of my kids should be here by now. And that's not always true. And, you know, we just kind of ride the wave with them. 
you're really talking about letting go of our preconceived notions about what it should be for us. What we should, you know, you're talking about balancing our own needs with our kids' needs, paying attention to both. Both really matter, you know, and we can work it out (laughs) um, ultimately, you know, and, and this, and, and letting go of these preconceived notions, I think about parenting, that's huge. And that's, hard. What are, what are some things that parents should question? You know, I'm giving you a should, what are some of the shoulds that parents should question that, that are out there? Um, exactly what we've been saying, which is that, that your child is supposed to have a certain trajectory at a certain time and that they're supposed to be interested in certain things. And then the thing that I would tell parents to watch out for the most is just because something worked out for you in childhood doesn't mean it's the path your child is going to take. For example, parents who are like, I was in athletics, I was in sports, that's how I stayed out of trouble. So that's what my kids are going to do. If your kid is interested in sports, awesome. Win-win, right? It's like, this is my nostalgic experience and my kid likes it too. But if you appreciated sports and it helped you and you come to your kid and that's just not their thing, there are so many other things that they can do that can help them develop their sense of self, their sense of teamwork, their sense of um, overall development that may not be the path that you took. And this is probably what I help parents with the most because there's so much belief that if it worked for me, it's going to work for my kids. And your kid is a completely different human. They are not you. They came through you, but they are not of you, as Gibran says. They are, they are somebody that you need to show up for and listen to where they are. They're going to pick up some of your patterns no matter what. They're going to be interested in similar things just because of the nature of living in your home. But the more that you can back up and listen to them and allow them to tell you their interests, the more connected and the, more, the much easier to communicate with your kids. And they're going to trust you more. They're going to talk to you more if you honor who they are rather than try and make them who you were. It's just a, it's, it's so, um, I can't think of a a more important thing to say to parents. We just come into parenting with these dreams and we're like, my kid's going to be this person or that person. And we really should come into parenting and say, Ooh, I wonder who this kid's going to be, you know, just kind of strip away all of these visuals of this is what my kid's going to be like. And instead get excited about what they're going to teach you about themselves. Yeah this curiosity that you're an invi- it's an invitation to be curious and i think that's so important and it really circles back to where we started actually because that idea of you having your own life your own fulfillment mm-hmm. all that stuff lets you step back and and i think i was maybe it was at your conference that i heard shafali sabari say like love your kids more and care for the care about them less yes. or something yeah, like that. Something to the, I, it, I think she things. said that at your conference, I heard her say that. And it was like, oh, wow. And that's really, really stuck with me. And that idea of that stepping back and giving them space and by giving, you know, by honoring our being our own person, doing our own things, you know, I'm, you know, like these things that I'm, I'm doing in my own life. Like, I think like, oh, this is allowing me to be my own person so that I can just meet them in this relationship and not be, not need them to give me all this stuff. Right. Like that's, that's kind of what you're pointing to, right? Like letting go of these expectations, being curious, being our own person, our own fulfillment so that we can just show up and, and be real for them. I mean, I don't know if there's a better gift that we could give our kids than to set them free of our, demands and expectations of who we believe they should be to be successful in the world. That doesn't mean that we don't have boundaries and we don't have structure for our kids and that we don't have bedtimes and rules and curfews. Of course, we can do all of those like outward external things. But when I say talk setting them free, allowing them to tell us who they are rather than us telling them who we need them to be, And again, I can say this from my kids who are now, I have a daughter who's an adult now, you know, she's 18 years old and she knows that I got her back, that whoever she is, whatever's going on in her life, what I am her, I am not 
looking at her and saying, you better go this way or else I'm going to be disappointed. Or if you don't say this or do this, then I'm not going to show up for you. I am her. um, It's not even about cheerleader. That's not enough. She knows that I trust who she is as a human. And so when she comes to me with things, which she does, again, this is a lot about maintaining a relationship throughout their lifetime. It's one thing to be able to like, and I'm going to use this word loosely, control a four-year-old. It's another thing to be in relationship with a 16-year-old or an Mm -hmm. 18-year-old. You have to have an understanding and a trust of who they are. And because this is kind of the way we developed, and I didn't do it perfectly, but it it was my goal. So I always try and wound, you know, I tried to work my way back to it, is now she comes to me and is she, her life is, has its challenges just like everybody else, but she knows who she is and Mm. she's not questioning who she is, which I think allows the other things that are challenging, the things we can't control, the um, outside world to be less daunting because she's not trying to fit a mold. She's not trying to fit into a box and she feels free. And for that, um, you know, and she may have ups and downs even with that because I sure do. And I've been working on this my whole life too. But I can tell in the way we communicate that um, she knows that I'm fine with who she is. And I I love that. That's like, that brings me the most happiness rather than you won an award. Now I'm proud of you. It's you had an experience that meant something to you. I couldn't be more happy for you. That's that's my experience with my kids. Mm, That's so beautiful. It's like you're acceptance yeah practice turned into an acceptance within herself and that is like gosh it's the foundation for everything if it's if it's jc had a great time chatting with her and being a partner with her at your conference we talked i can't remember but we like we're talking about something (laughs) you guys did like rachel simmons breakout together or something yeah 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 Yeah. great Oh my goodness, Kathy, I could talk to you for so long. Uh, <laughs> two podcasters get together and have the good for Gab. I um, everyone should go get your book, Zen Parenting Radio. It's out now. When this podcast comes out, it should be out and you can find it everywhere. Um, where else can people find out more about you and everything you're doing? Great. So we try and make this really easy. Just go to zenparentingradio.com. Everything is there. And I think that the, you know, the things that I can probably point to that are most important to us are the things we put all of our heart into is the podcast. Like you said, we've been, we have over 600 and something episodes. We've been doing it for 10 years. Um, So you can get that anywhere on, you know, any kind of podcast app. Um, obviously Zen Parenting the book, which like you said, is going to be, is available everywhere. And it's me trying to encapsulate 10 years of shows into one place, which is challenging, but I, you know, I think, I think it worked out. All right. And then I also have something called Zen Parenting Moment, which is, uh, a, uh, it's not really a newsletter. It's more like an essay that I send out a couple times a week, just as kind of an inspiration, a reminder that, um, we're all in this together. And so you can, um, you know, Put your name and email in for that. It's free. And um, and my husband is on the website too, zenparentingradio.com. And he has a men's group and we both do coaching and everything's there. So you'll find whatever you need in that location. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing the book, for doing the podcast, for sharing your voice, your super grounded and real voice. And with everyone. It's been an incredible inspiration to me. I get, I feel a little emotional saying that because it really did make it such a huge impact on me and the work that I've done here with this podcast and everything. Um, you're a great inspiration for that. And so I just, I'm so appreciative of everything you've brought. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, Hunter. You're a good friend and I appreciate your support and your love. And I wish you all the same. You're doing amazing things in the world. Thank you so much for listening. I love Kathy. I hope you love her as much as I do. And listen, if you've ever, if you got some value out of this, today's episode, do me a favor, just take a screenshot of you listening to this right now, where you're listening to it. I like press two buttons on either side of my phone and post in your Instagram stories, tag me in it. I'm at mindful mama mentor. You can tag Kathy and I think she's at Zen Parenting Radio and let us know what your takeaways are. It's such a great way to share it with people in your life and uh, and share the love, share the love. And so I hope it's helped you. You know, you can see um, clips from this episode as well as short teaching sessions from me over at our YouTube channel. 
that's at on YouTube at Mindful Mama Mentor. And you can subscribe so we can grow that little baby channel, get more information out to more parents. But listen, the the biggest thing is you being here, connecting, and your feedback, all that stuff, it really, really matters. Helps feed this, feeds me to keep making the podcast, feeds my team. They love hearing the great positive feedback. My my sound editor, Sam, and virtual assistant, Emma, and, and integrator, Chelsea. And there's a whole team of people behind Mindful Mama podcast. We're working hard to make it for you. And when you share the love, when you give those reviews and take those screenshots and stuff, it, it feeds all of us, helps us all keep going. So Thank you. Thank you so much in advance. And I I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that you have some rest and rejuvenation and peace and moments of clarity and those things that we need to really fully be present for our kids, right? It's all, we have to make ourselves a priority so we can really be there for our kids. That's what it's all about. So anyway, I hope this has helped you do that today, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back in your inbox next week and I'll see you then. Namaste. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.